and I'm going to be honest, I've been in a room where everybody says they're talking about the same problem, but then you have a conversation with three different people and you realize they are in fact not solving the same problem. You do have to be on the same page of trying to solve the problem for the greater good and not just selfishly for your department. Do good ideas come to your veterinary practice to die or grow? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show, a part of the VedEx Leaders community online. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects you can use to manage your veterinary practice better and be a better leader. I'm your resident asker of questions, Brendan Howard, and with me today is former First Line editor, perpetual advocate of veterinary team members, and now creativity consultant, Portia Stewart. The only thing certain is change, so which ones will be positive for you? Portia wants you to start thinking about how you can create the right environment to get the right ideas for change by asking for ideas in the right way, experimenting with those ideas, and then putting resources in the right place to make them happen. But first, Portia, tell us how you got into this gig. Brendan, it's been very interesting. My career has changed. I graduated with a bachelor's in journalism and expected to be working in magazines for the rest of my life. Started in the vet world in 99 and worked my way up. I thought the best thing in the world would be to be the editor-in-chief of a publication. So when I had the chance to be the editor of First Line Magazine, um, which for you guys who don't know, it's the uh, veterinary team support team journal for practice managers, receptionists, veterinary assistants, technicians. I thought it was, it was the top of the world. And really, that is one of the best jobs in the world. As time went along, the editor job kind of grew more digital and more events first. And so working on the DVM 360 brand, just bringing all of the team channel content into that. And then also working on the DVM 360 conferences, CBC mm-hmm. that became Fetch and, and just really have an opportunity to work with these small businesses. And you know, I think it was in 99 that I first had that realization. I was talking to Don Dooley, a consultant of note, who was with us in the veterinary world for a long time. And he said something and it was like a light bulb for my 22 year old brain. Veterinarians need to know about business. And that was just like, it just lit up my world. And I know that's why my editors had me talking to him is that they wanted me to get that from the horse's mouth. And so that just became, it added in an element, learning about the veterinary world and learning about the business world. So worked in, you know, supporting veterinarians and companion animal health for 19 years. And then most recently have started my own business, Mindful Creatives, where I'm trying to connect the innovation creativity train with the strategy of a business. So how do we get great ideas from idea, from brainstorming session, all the way out into the marketplace. And what does that journey look like? And we tend to think of it as a very linear journey, but it's actually a lot of squiggly lines. And if we do it right, it's almost like we are starting, you know, at a very narrow place and completely expanding out and just exploring big, crazy ideas. And then eventually, you know, through experimentation and everything, we come back to the best idea. And so that's been a fun journey. When I think about creativity and innovation, usually if you read a book about creativity and innovation, they're oftentimes peppered with example stories, but the example stories are always 
Somebody started in their garage. Somebody had a side idea at a corporate business, and then it blew up into a multi-billion dollar enterprise. And so every time creativity and innovation pops up in the business world, I feel like it's oftentimes played as it's like the wonderful millionaire story of like they started from nothing and now they're everything. Whereas I feel like a lot of individual veterinary practices They're much more financially modest in their dreams. And so I wonder, this creativity, how do you see this play out in the small business environment as opposed to like a larger organization? And obviously these ideas sort of could go from any size, but how do you think it plays out with a place with, you know, a couple doctors and, you know, five or six receptionists and, you know, five or six technicians versus VCA or Banfield or... How do you see the difference between the creative things that can happen at the small small scale versus the large scale? Well, I think that's a really great question. And so I've had the opportunity to work at really big companies where, you know, you have all the resources and the ideas about creating a million dollar in the year one that grows to three million, right? And then I've also had the opportunity to try this workshopping experience, different activities on smaller, like a lot of solopreneurs you know, people who are just, it's them in the office, or maybe they have a, like maybe one or two support staff who probably work on a more of a contract basis versus an employee. Or even, I mean, you talk about the largest of the small businesses I've worked with, maybe several employees or support, but not to the level of where we're, look, you know, they're obviously looking to generate more revenue, but I don't think it really, like, as you said, what the idea of future-proofing is really about constantly reassessing your business model. And whether you bought the practice, started the practice, just worked in the practice, that business model you're living in today isn't the business model that launched the practice, right? So adapting that and then also seeing how you can potentially change to the whole goal of of any of these exercises is to help your client make progress. It's not about offering a particular service or good. And if you stop to think of it that way, like I am not just creating a product here, I'm solving my customer's problem. It starts to change the way you think about what innovation really is. You mentioned future proofing. And I thought that was kind of like a compelling thing, because I think right now, many veterinary practices, veterinarians and veterinary professionals, technicians all the way to the kennel, they're overwhelmed and they're over busy and things are crazy. And the f- practice seems to be doing well. The appointment book is jammed. We can't take new clients. We are busy. So why work on strategy right now? And then you have this idea of oh, future proofing. I'm like, right. Even if you are completely busy right now, you can't be blind to the fact that things do change. And if you don't devote some sliver of time to future proofing or strategy or big picture thinking or, you know, future thinking, I think you'd probably be in trouble. I think that's completely true. And I want to start here with kind of a kind of big radical idea. Okay. (laughs) And that's the idea. If you ask what your client in the pet market, in the veterinary market is looking for, is what they're looking for a veterinary visit or are they really looking for pet health? They want a healthy pet, right? So maybe what you're really not giving them, maybe you're not really selling a veterinary visit and maybe you're not selling a dental chew or food. Maybe what you're selling, maybe what you're providing to your client is is pet health. So what besides a veterinary visit are you potentially offering? And if you could stop and like assess it from that perspective versus, and then 
So you have macro things that are affecting veterinary practices right now, right? We have the huge technician shortage. We have uh, female veterinarians who are not wanting to own practices. We know that, you know, we saw the studies that Mars came out with here that show we're looking at, we, we knew about the technician shortage, but, but it continues to worsen. We know that we have that impending veterinary shortage. We know that we're having a lot of specialists who may be retiring in the next 15 years. So that's our macro, right? In the big world, those are big topics that great brains are trying to work against and figure out solutions. So some of the same stuff that you and I have been talking about for years. I was on social media the other day and I saw our friend Tasha McNerney of Veterinary Anesthesia Nerd. Oh, yeah. And she shared a video that you and I recorded with her five years ago about how veterinary technicians needed to be better utilized. Oh my God, Brendan, it's been five years. And how about the five years before that? (laughs) Right, right, exactly. But we've been talking about this for so long. And now we're at this place where if we don't solve some of these things, like, you know, are we ever going to create, you know, if there is potentially a shortage of people to provide veterinary care, can we pay our technicians more, elevate their status, maybe have them take care of more of the wellness? I know these are the macro things. Right. The part where you as a small business owner have to really apply it is looking at your business model against, and you can be part of those bigger solutions. I'm not saying that, but when you get down to drilling down into your own business, what you're trying to solve is looking at your business model. How have your clients changed? I mean, maybe when you bought the practice, you were in an area that was very rural and now you know some housing company comes along and builds up a whole bunch of five hundred thousand dollar houses next to you does that change your business model and when's the last time you stopped to think about that so applying some of that future thinking and you know there are a lot of activities for this and strategizer has a business model canvas where you can map out and i might point back to everyone right now as things are changing so fast are you really only going to look at your business model once a year but thinking about the factors that can potentially affect you. And this is where we get into some of the workshopping is like starting with that business model canvas and updating it. Maybe you dedicate an hour once a week to thinking about the future and every quarter you look at your model and then start to think bigger picture, right? And think about all of those political, all of those economic, social, technology, environment, legal, all those factors that could influence what you want to do. And, you know, that could be as simple as, hey, I live in California and they made it illegal to do this certain medical procedure. So that's going to change my business model. That's, you know, knowing that something like that is impending, you know, and adjusting and being ahead of the pack instead of responding, right? It could be a legal issue. Maybe tax laws change and it affects your business. And then I think the last part of that is once you have spent time in that headspace of thinking about your future and really, really thinking about it, because you're going to see trends and I'm going to make a pitch for the team again, (laughs) talk to your team about what they're seeing. One activity that's pretty simple is give everybody a journal and say, this is your future journal. When you have an idea and experience something in our veterinary practice that potentially could signal a trend, like we're selling more dog treats at the front desk, write it down. Right. And I'm also going to say you need to listen to everybody here. Like your receptionist in the front desk, she is having a different experience with that client than you are in the exam room. And she's going to know stuff that you didn't perceive. So 
keeping those journals and jotting down ideas and talking about it as a team, then you start to trends that trend spotting. And then, you know, once you have started to look at all that future, what are the milestones that you could potentially map for yourself? You know, what do you want to be in year one or five? When you have worked either with larger groups or the solopreneurs and you talk about, so that journaling, that sounds perfect. It, it feels close to the mindfulness journaling that they encourage people to do. Don't let emotions kind of come and go without reflecting on them. And so this is like, hey, if you come up with an idea, don't lose it. They tell artists, you know, you got to keep a journal with you. And they tell everybody now, hey, keep a journal with you to reflect on things as they're happening or right after they do. So that seems awesome. Once the people have gathered this stuff up, is it an easy process for the business owner to sit in a room? Those macro things you talked about are really big and like those tax law changes. Sometimes you don't know what's coming down the pike. So right. by thinking about what's happening right now, the changes you're seeing right now, does that feel like, does that set your milestones? Or are these milestones are talking about more of an aspiration for the future you want at your practice that's a bit kind of the farther it goes out, it just becomes more uncertain. So is it more dreamy or is it really hinged to what's happening now that we think might be the trends or is it both? I think it's both. And I'll give okay. you an example of, you might ask everybody in your practice to think about what milestones you want to reach. And then you might bring those all in. Like for them personally or their vision for what Their vision for practice. that business, right? Yeah. Okay, I got you. What does our business look like? you're going to examine them against that. They call it the pestle, the political, economic, technological, you know, uh, societal, environmental, and legal, that, that whole structure, that's going to have to be part of your discussion. And then when you decide on your milestone, then you have to ask what must be true for us to reach this milestone. A really good example, I was working with a solopreneur who had just amazing goals and she wanted them all achieved in the next year to three years <laughs> sure which is i'm like you're a rock star if anybody can do it you can she also is considering that she's married potentially wanting to have children at some point how does that <laughs> impact her timeline and her ability to right. get there right sometimes we we set goals and we don't spend the time to think about what it actually takes to get there so you know setting those milestones being realistic about the steps you need to take and brendan that like this is where I go back to this episode is sponsored by the letter E, right? <laughs> in <laughs> experimentation world, in the innovation world, everything comes back to E. What are you experimenting? What are you exploring? Your milestones may be a little more like your five-year milestone. A one that I love is, hey, 30% of my business is going to come from a product I haven't discovered yet. Well, that leaves a lot of room and a lot of exploration. It also yes. means if I'm going to get there in five years, I'm going to have to experiment with lots of, of those kind of minimally viable experiments. What is the small thing? You know, like I want, you know, 30% of my business to come from retail because I know we've got, you know, a lot of people coming in and looking at, you know, we had a little like, display of, you know, dog sweaters and they're doing well. Like what is the next experiment? And that's a goofy one, but you know exactly that, that world of test, test, test. And most of those ideas are going to fail. But if you can do small tests to get to the, to the big one, you know, you're investing constantly in little ways. And that's where it's easy in this experimentation 
phase, exploration, experimentation, whatever. Read any book and they come up with three different E-words you should know. But in that exploring phase, um, what, what are your opportunities to, to be divergent and think big? And that's where I think we often fail. And that's where in the workshops, we're always pushing. When we start to brainstorm, we can tend to think really big and have big divergent ideas, fun, exciting, just crazy, awesome ideas. When we actually come to deciding what we're going to do, we tend to converge, right? And we tense up and we make things small. And it's not that you shouldn't do those small things, but you're not really innovating if you don't try the bigger ones, right? <laughs> the small ones are, are ones that you know that you can probably win at. And you should do those, but do the big ones too. Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit vetexinternational.com forward slash leaders. Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two. Can I ask, actually, I'd love to have you kind of spell that out a little bit because I am thinking back to, you know, brainstorming sessions I've been in or strategy making sessions I've been in where initially it's think of anything. And so you just come up with all the ideas, all the ideas. Is that what you mean by divergent and then convergent? Is that that time in that brainstorming where now we need to start agreeing on things and we need to decide on things and we need to make this a smart goal? Tell me the difference between that big, that wide open thinking and the narrower thinking. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's exactly as you said, is like when you are really being divergent, you are every idea you're asking yourself, how can I make this bigger? What would be, you know, instead of what is this little tiny adjustment we can make, like adding leashes to the retailers <laughs> center. Like, what is the right. big new thing that we noticed that, you know, our clients are having trouble actually getting off during the day. And so we have this huge gap of time where nobody brings their pets in. What if we started a pet Uber, right? I mean, and even bigger than that, maybe, but you get the idea of like little, I can spend a small amount and big, crazy fun. You know, maybe we start a, a take your pet to the park service, you know, dog, park extravaganza visit or camps for dogs or something something that you just wouldn't naturally say I'm going to go do unless you had some idea some test well I love all those because that's perfect forget the testing what about the person in the room so people are dreaming things and that's awesome so people get together and now they need to converge 
And like your first one, well, Uber, like, oh, are you kidding me? Wait a second. We're already too busy here. Now you want somebody to go drive somewhere and bring a pet? Well, what if the pet gets loose? What if something happens? Like, do we have, I mean, does our insurance cover that? And then at the park, I don't know. A couple of years ago, we tried that thing at yep. our at uh, the big community days and nothing happened. I just think it's a big waste of time. So that kind of poo-poos, people start dreaming big and it gets big, big, big. And the really reasonable people around them, these people are dreaming of a future that does not exist. And the really reasonable people are like, well, the, the stuff we do now is good. And that's the stuff we know. All this uncertainty is very disconcerting. I expect that must happen on these teams. And those people are good because it's good that people are poking holes. But maybe if somebody tries this, if they gather all these ideas and they get a lot of divergent thinking, and then they come together to try to converge on something, and they start getting the naysayers. Is there something that could happen in these future-proofing sessions, something that could happen in these brainstorming sessions that would help get over that hump? Yeah, so there are three things. And the first is you have to set boundaries in the meeting immediately. And this is where it helps to have a facilitator or be the facilitator yourself. And that's to say we're going to suspend belief. We're not going to say no. Everything is going to be yes and. <laughs> yes. You're and turning them into an improv about. troupe. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yes and. Yes and we need to consider our, our insurance implications. Yes and we might need to hire somebody else. And the second part of that is can you offer an, a beta test? We have two great clients who would be perfect for this. Can we tell them we're trying out a new service? and explain that we don't have it all figured out. Offer to give it to them discounted or for free, try it out. And then the third part of that is dot voting. So you wanna get to agreement. We really have to start with letting everybody have a voice. And it's often that we have a strong personality in the room who tends to either lead or smash you know, ideas. So they have a vote, but their vote is not bigger than anybody else. Put the ideas up on a bulletin board. Give everybody five votes, five little sticky dots, and let the team decide which ideas are worth pursuing. That's incredibly empowering. And it also gets buy-in. So your idea is more likely to have success. And then, okay, I have one more bonus Ooh. point on this. That one of the biggest reasons that this often fails is the idea that we don't properly resource for innovation. It takes time and space to think up big ideas. And in most places, we're all running at full-time jobs. So right. you need to consider how are you going to resource that? How are you going to make that possible? You can do that by stopping doing things. You can do that by saying, we're going to really, we are actually going to take a risk and invest. So I am going to hire in some part-time help to give my other team members, my full-time team members time to explore it, or we hire in part-time help to explore this new idea. Like, you have to put some skin in the game if you're really going to grow. And that does take an investment. It doesn't mean that you should go. I'm not suggesting that you go out and spend a ton of money on one single idea. But if you can experiment in a small way that proves it's worth exploring more, then maybe that investment feels a little more palatable. You know, I came up with two things, one about the practice owner, but I'm just going to ignore the practice owner because I don't care about them in this. I think this other thing about what you just said is interesting. What happens if people, you mentioned failure, that failure could happen. And I think sometimes there's some, we've mentioned one fear about failure. So the people who are worried that if we try new things, it's going to harm the business, it's going to harm what we do now. 
you know, we will be under threat. We will hurt patients. We will upset our clients. We will mess up the business. So they have fears about that. What about the people who, I don't know, if they've been through this rodeo before where somebody got excited about trying something new and maybe they didn't do what you mentioned there, which is they didn't resource for it, or the experiment wasn't clear so that people, a couple people on the team got really excited about something and they put their heart and soul into this new thing and it didn't work. And, you know, it's just one of those things that never totally, it never hits and it never totally goes away. It just sits around sort of robbing us all of resources and it makes the people who are, they're really passionate about it and they don't want to let it go. So an experiment basically that just doesn't, it isn't a total failure where everyone has to admit it's a failure. But the people who love it, it's not really any good either. And so people don't let it go. How do you manage that failure issue with these experiments? Well, I mean, I'm going to tell you the rough truth. And I mean, I think if we really think about it, we all know this is that most experiments are going to fail. What we're really going for is learning and getting smarter. We're actually just trying to learn. (laughs) And so it's through the process of learning that we're going to get the right idea. So you know, I think you have to prepare people. I mean, what did they say? Fail fast? Yeah. Fail fast and make it fun. Is there anything as you hear people, if they think about their futures? So again, we have, if we think of our average veterinary practice, it's probably doing well. It's probably struggling with staffing. It's probably got a lot of people, clients, but definitely team members who went through a hard time with COVID about working through COVID while a lot of other people stayed home. They just never got a break. So they dealt with the trauma of COVID. As the business owners and the team leaders at that place start to try to think about what does our future look like? I think everybody's probably in the wrong headspace. Is there an initial exercise you would encourage, like one of the ones you've talked about or another one for either a you know, an entire practice or just one person or a small group in management to start thinking about what does our future look like in these, I'm going to use this word and I hate it because it was just all over these uncertain times, Portia, how do we future proof when things just feel so uncertain? And so this is how their heads are out. They're having a hard time trying to want to look at the business model again, wanting to adjust to the future. Is there like a first kind of baby step they should try? Well, I think, a few important things about anytime you're going to your team and asking them for this kind of thinking is they probably have ideas every day. They, the biggest resistance is always going to be, I'm too busy and overwhelmed. I, not that these people don't want to create something new and cool, but need to feel supported. Uh, so I think it starts with framing it as your your veterinary practice leadership needs to start with the being honest about what you're doing. And uh, I've been in similar situations. I was on a large team where this was very much true. We set up some innovation activities and it took place over six weeks, two months. I don't remember how long, but mm-hmm. progressively. And the first meeting was really about making a safe space and acknowledging truths. We are understaffed right now. And that team felt very much that way. Understaffed, overwhelmed, too many projects already. My workday is already going into my dinner time. I'm missing family activities. We brought them back to a place of excitement about it. But we also said something at the beginning, we're going to stop doing some stuff and we're going to make this a priority because it's going to make us faster, better, smarter. Remind everybody the goal is to make everybody's lives better, right? 
And that has to be at the core of whatever you're making is that, that it's, you know, an innovative idea could be an innovative idea that's better staffing your practice. So starting out making a safe space, but then when it comes to activities, I would very much recommend doing some question storming because I bet if you spent some time, one of the biggest problems you have in, a, in any sort of innovation in place is that everybody's asking a different question. And if you get your whole team on board to deciding what the problem you need to solve is, your innovation could be around your staffing. And if everybody agreed on that and you did your dot vote and you came up with a better question, then the solution could be something that brought the whole team to a better, more efficient situation, maybe led to better staffing. So I think safe and getting their buy-in. Okay. And would you mention just like the boilerplate explanation for what is, because I like question storming and I, we've talked about it before. What is question storming? I feel like it's named to be different than brainstorming. So if someone wanted to try this by themselves or with a group, how would they quote unquote question storm? I ruthlessly stole this idea from this article called Better Brainstorming. It's a 2018 Harvard Business Review mm-hmm. article. And the guy, Hal Gregerson, he talks about like the biggest failure he ever feels in a brainstorming situation is just that people feel fatigued, not on the same page. And so he, he one day in, in a classroom decided, let's stop thinking about ideas. Let's brainstorm questions. Okay. What is the question? So you start out with a question. Maybe the question is, how do we get better staffed in the veterinary practice? Does everybody really agree that's the real question? So question storming, you think of, of all of the questions potentially come out of that question. And you know, that could be, why are we still supporting a grooming business when it would be better to have another person at the front desk? You get to truths and out of those truths, you get to the real problem you're all trying to solve. So I, I mean, I could not recommend it more and it's, it's really pretty simple, but it gets the whole team engaged. So once you come to that place where you all agree about what the problem you're trying to solve, you can ask everybody to, to go away after that staff meeting and come back to the next one in three weeks with ideas. And then you start to work toward the same goal. It's almost like, I mean, I can see everybody gets together and they say, hey, our problem is we want to be ready for the future, which is a vague, I, you can't get any purchase on that. You don't know what the future is. So it's literally almost like an impossible task. Whereas what you're talking about is finding some agreement on well, we're saying, how would our practice be ready for the future? Well, what does that mean? And so asking if they built questions about how will we be staffed? How will we serve our patients better? I could see how the question storming thing, then people could agree on, you're right, that is the question we need to answer in the future. That would future-proof our business. Maybe you could get a little more specific and then people would agree. I think that's exactly right. It's that old saying, a problem well stated is a problem half solved. <laughs> That's, that's brilliantly optimistic. Now, right. And it is helpful. I mean, you still have to solve it, but you're right. You're, you're part of the way there. And I'm going to be honest. I've been in a room where everybody says they're talking about the same problem, but then you have a conversation with three different people and you realize they are, in fact, not solving the same problem. You do have to be on the same page of trying to solve the problem for the greater good and not just selfishly for your department, for your group, for your, you know, hey, this makes uh, the receptionist's happy, but now the technicians have 30 more minutes of work at the end of the day. I mean, there's a, there's a fairness that has to come in the spirit of this as well. 
Want to learn more about creativity in business? Visit Portia at mindfulcreatives, M-I-N-D-F-U-L-L creatives.com. That wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show. It was an honor to share it with you. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends in veterinary medicine about us. Want a little more? You are in luck. An extended version of this podcast is available exclusively to our leaders community. You can learn more at vetxinternational.com. And until next time, I just want you to know, I appreciate you.